Hey everyone, welcome to a special crossover edition of Locked on Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, and Adam Maris, the host of Locked on Nuggets and Locked on Lakers. It's game one tonight in Denver. What's the series going to look like? We'll tell you next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers or Locked On Nuggets first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. Neither one of those things are going to be behind a paywall. They're always going to be free and ready for you to find uh, both on audio and, of course, on YouTube, uh, whether whether Locked on Lakers or Locked on Nuggets. Uh, We appreciate all of the support that the whole network is getting on YouTube. want to let everybody know that today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Um, All right, so again, Locked on Lakers, Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky, only half of the locked on Nuggets team, Adam Morris is here. Uh, I assume because Matt is scared. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you said it. Man. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know what it is. No, that guy, man. That guy does the work of eight people. I think he just uh, he might have reached his limit. What's funny though is Matt is a rare example of a locked on host who's not a fan of the team he covers. He is not a Nuggets fan. He's not from Denver. So he you has know, the weird distinction. I Sometimes they get the impression he doesn't like anything. Um, <laughs> I think that, that might be fair as well. But yep. yeah, it's so. funny you say that, though, Adam, before we, we start really breaking down our, our takes on the teams that we cover and our impressions of the team that uh, we've watched from afar. I, I was doing an episode of Locked on NBA with Matt maybe, I don't know, a few days before the playoffs began. And one of our segments was talking about which teams in the East and the West we thought had the relatively easiest draw to get to the finals. And I said Denver. And I basically had to sell Matt on this. Like Matt was giving me all these reasons why he didn't think Denver could get through it. I'm like, buddy, buddy, it's okay. Like, I think I think Denver's sitting really well. Like, so I guess to your point, he he doesn't believe in them, doesn't like them, and maybe feels like he's he's stuck with them. Isn't it so much of that, though, Adam, a a referendum on what people thought about Phoenix? Because, you know, I think both teams, I think to some degree, are getting a little bit of that right now. You know, the Lakers beat Memphis in the first round, but yeah, Ja got hurt a little bit, and they were kind of a mess, and Dylan Brooks is Dylan Brooksing all over the place. and No Steven Adams, no Brandon No Steven Adams, and, and so on and so on and so on. And then the second round is like, okay, yeah, it's the Warriors, but it's not the Warriors' Warriors. Right. And so I think both teams, to some degree, are getting a little bit of this, but who have you beaten yet type reaction. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. And the one thing I'll say is going into it, when you were looking at the bracket, I think that there is probably, you know, the Clippers could have been really good. We watched Kawhi Leonard in, in game one of that series look like the old Kawhi Leonard. So I think there was a route where the path would have been a lot harder, but perhaps – not so unpredictably, Chris Paul got hurt. Uh, Kawhi Leonard got hurt. Paul George never came back. And so it, it kind of came up where all the guys that are most likely to be injured ended up getting injured. But nonetheless, you know, Denver, 
to, to me, if I look at it, Denver took care of business in a Minnesota team. They won that one in five. The one loss came in overtime. The Then you go to the Phoenix Suns one, and we were talking about this before we went live, but the the it was a six-game series that felt like a six-game blowout. I mean, they narrowly lost two games where Devin Booker missed a combined eight shots um, <laughs> in over two games uh, en route to like 90 points. So I think Denver – Despite the fact that I'm with you, I don't think that they have gone through the big. This will be their biggest challenge. The Lakers will be their biggest challenge to date. I think As Denver well, has the Nuggets, probably, by the way, for the Lakers. Right, but I think Denver has looked good to this point in meaningful ways, even even though the competition has been a little lower. You know, it's funny actually, Adam. I think because both Brian and I have have been high on Denver this whole season, and I, I think in a lot of ways have been in the minority. Uh, you know, a lot more people have been on. You know the Warriors or we just mentioned, you know, the Suns post KD, you know, the Grizzlies a lot during the season. And in a lot of ways, I actually think the debates around Jokic's worthiness for a third straight MVP. And, you know, and these debates always inevitably just turn into, we have to tear apart one guy in order to make the case for the other. And I think the way people were tearing apart Jokic in this debate I think by extension led to people just detracting from Denver and just and just not believing in the Nuggets as as a viable contender because there were because there was this urgency to tear down Jokic and like his his worthiness for you know a third straight MVP and, and yeah. in that sense I think Denver never really got the due this season that they deserved. And they're just the mid-market, you know, flyover state to begin with, even though Denver's a pretty big, you know, big city. But there's no athletic beat reporter here. There's no ESPN beat reporter here. So the coverage, there's not really people covering it except for local people you who guys, are covering right. it for a local audience, um, which is rare, you know, not to have an athletic reporter covering a top team in the Western Conference or, you know, top team in a league. So the, I think those things play into it. And then also there's – all-star voting is always a year behind because fans often need to see like a playoff success before it seeps into your brain that these guys are good. I think it's the same with picking contenders. Why did people say the Warriors? Because the Warriors have won in the playoffs before. So you just go from old precedent and say it's going to happen again. And you look at Denver and think they haven't been whole for two years, but they hadn't gotten up over the hump in two years. So they say, oh, that will repeat itself. That was always unlikely, but I at least get the fallacy of why people arrived at that conclusion. Yeah, it's interesting. My, my basic take on what Andy's talking about is I think Denver's been so far and away the best team in the conference for so much of this season that they're just, no, they, people stop looking at them. It's a weird phenomenon. Like, you know, in a conference that has been so muddy and so, um, you know, clustered, the Nuggets, with it, it was like the second week of December or something like that. Yeah. That they they took over first place in the conference and they stayed there the rest of the year. I mean, by NBA standards, that's basically wire to wire. Well, they the worst part of it was they came out of the All Star break again with a good cushion, great season to, to date, and they blow out the Cavs in Cleveland, and then they get Memphis at home and they blow out the Ca- uh, the Grizzlies in Denver, and they had an eight game lead on number one in the West. It was a wrap from there. After that win against the Grizzlies, the Nuggets didn't play hard again until game one of the first round of the series. And some of this is if there was a team closer that would have been chasing them, I do think they would have gotten three, four more wins. And maybe people would have taken them a little bit more seriously. But Denver, the psychology of that team is that they have been shorthanded for the last two seasons. 
They were going to be do anything they could to not be shorthanded in the playoffs. And I don't even think they cared about the number one seed. I think they just said, we're not doing that again. If we have to rest guys for, for six weeks, we'll do it just to make sure we're ready. Okay. So w- one more question before, before we break, but the, you just said something to me that I thought was really interesting. The first game they played where they played hard, basically from like, you know, whatever, February until the end of the year was the game one of the first round. Right. The Lakers have been essentially playing playoff games right. since mid-February. How much do you think that matters in this series, especially you know games one and two in altitude and, and so on and so on and so on? Well, I think with the Lakers, they're, I think they're playing their best basketball right now, and I don't think they would have gotten there unless it was for that. There's an, an urgency you know, that they've had to, to play with that has created a better chemistry and belief and continuity, meaning they are more mid-playoff form than most teams because they've been going for so long. <laughs> but then – I'll look at all these drops. But then you've also got uh, – with Aren't Denver, you guys cute? <laughs> with Denver, I think you can worry about, hey, do they have um, – you know, were they clunky? The fact that they went into game one and won by 30 points against Minnesota, they've played at their top since the playoff starts. They really did flip a switch where it was like, no, we know what we are, and they locked right back in. And to be honest – players have had bad games. I don't think the Nuggets have had a bad game in the playoffs yet. The Nuggets have been pretty consistent so far in their two series. Yeah, I mean, they, it's they funny. are excellent. Yeah, and it's funny too. Brian and I just talked about on Monday's show how you know Denver has this continuity that they're working with there. And like you said, they know who they are, particularly when they're whole. And, and the new pieces that they brought in, KCP, Bruce Brown, those were guys that – I think it was pretty obvious we're going to fit well and did fit very well. So they have this really good sense of identity and who they are. The Lakers, we think actually, you know, they're obviously still to some degree in a figure it out stage. They're, they've they've essentially played about half a season worth of basketball together when you count the playoffs. There may still be untapped potential for them to discover. It just it's going to be a question of whether or not they can do it in a setting right. or a team like Denver that's really good, or, or before they, they hit the wall. Because like right. that's sort of what I was getting at with like my skepticism. Like, could they win a title this year? Is based in part on at some point you just figure the fatigue catches up with them. But um, all right. So I I know I have a bunch of questions about the Nuggets. I know Adam, you have a bunch of questions about the Lakers. Andy's probably just got lots of questions. He's questioning everything that's just how he does it um and so we'll start to break down the series itself and we'll get to all that next locked on lakers is brought to you by game time and years ago some friends of mine and i we went to go see ll cool j in la really last minute at the house of blues we didn't know how to get tickets so we ended up buying some from a scalper they turned out to be fake and we managed to get into this concert through some just random serendipity but i vowed after that i'm never going through that and you don't have to because of game time they keep going to your favorite events from being stressful they're the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports and music and comedy shows and theater near you and with killer deals on last minute tickets and the best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun and i love how they offer images of seat views they've got the lowest price guarantee event cancellation protection job loss protection and game time guarantee means you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section of row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It is the fastest growing ticketing app 
in the country for a reason. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps. Tickets go directly to your phone and your set. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, use the redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, so I want to ask both of you guys. It, it is, I, I always worry about being a little bit cliche, a little bit reductive, and just starting something with star versus star. But with this series, it actually is sort of in a lot of ways star versus star because these guys are actually going to be on, you know, guarding each other for a lot of the series, you know, matched up against each other. Um, when you, Adam, look at that matchup, Jokic has been. So good. I mean, these, I think, are the two best players in the playoffs um, so far this this postseason. I don't think there's really any argument otherwise. And, you know, Jokic, far and away the best offensive player. Davis, very good offensively and the best defensive player in the playoffs. When you look at this matchup, what in, what do you find encouraging from the Denver side of it? And what do you find frightening from the Denver side? Well, the encouraging part of it is that I think Jokic has, um, you know, he's gone up against a lot of really good defenders, including Anthony Davis, and he's had success against them, forcing them to go to other, you know, secondary tactics, so to speak. Anthony Davis has had the most success against Jokic off ball, off of Jokic as a help side guy, as a secondary guy. One on one, you know, Jokic has 30 pounds on him. That's a lot of weight. You know, that's a pretty big size difference. Um, I think Anthony Davis is close is is closer to like Jared Vanderbilt than he is to Jokic in weight in weight size. As I was looking at the weights earlier today, um, it so that's easy to forget how just how enormous Jokic is. As, and he's like, just he's a, and he's strong. He's a too. weighty fellow too. I mean, he has he, he moves. Um, you know, he moves big bodied guy. Valanciunas, you know, he's a guy he can push and, and, and push out the way. So he's a very, very strong player and a physical player as well. So, Yet the weakest of all the Jokic brothers. <laughs> That's right. So he's a, uh, and he just likes the rough and tumble aspect of it. So for me, I think that there is Anthony Davis is a guy who's obviously at his best when he is roaming, guarding the entire court, guarding all five guys, sort of clogging up the paint. Jokic is at his best when he's wrestling you. And I just think that Anthony Davis would probably prefer not to wrestle. And I think Jokic is going to be a guy that is just hitting him nonstop, whether it's box outs, whether it's post ups. It's just, it's very physically taxing to go up against Yoke. If you look at Yoke, he's bleeding from both arms and both hands at all times. He just has scrapes <laughs> on him and he doesn't yeah. wear the undergarments, you know, the, the compression sleeves and stuff that people do. He kind of likes it. I think he likes the contact. So he's definitely a pain don't hurt kind of guy. So yeah. Um, I think that's one of the advantages in this is that I think Anthony Davis probably prefers to be a roaming shot blocker than a wrestler, and Jokic is going to force him to be a wrestler. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how these guys look to attack each other and look to try to force the issue when they're on each other and really try to get each other in foul trouble because the best yep. way – for both of these teams to actually succeed, but maybe for them to win these one-on-ones is to actually force the other guy off the court. Reminder really quick, the Lakers and the Nuggets play tonight at 5.30 Pacific, and the Lakers have an opportunity to win yet another one on the road to start the series. 
Nuggets looking to hold serve, catch every bucket of Lakers or Nuggets. The hometown broadcast with Sirius XM or the SXM app. Search Lakers or Nuggets to find the broadcast. But I, I think that's going to in and of itself be really interesting because neither of these teams really play another center. And, you know, they're these are both like really – I think they're big teams and I think they're physical teams, but that, that physic, the, the, the size and physicality doesn't really extend at the center spot beyond the two stars. And it, it'll be difficult for either one of these teams. If their star gets into foul trouble while the other one stays on the floor, because neither one of them really has an answer. I think it's over for either team. If Anthony Davis is out of the game for an extended period with foul trouble, I think Denver's going to feast. I think if Jokic is out of the game for an extended period of time, the Lakers are going to feast. So foul trouble, I, I think you will see teams. I, th- I, I think if either one of those guys picks up three in the first with six minutes to go, I think you're going to see coaches say, we can't do it. We got to play them. You got to risk it because it's. I think it would be that much of a swing to take either guy off the court. The thing with Jokic, you know, another thing we, we think about, the guys that – Anthony Davis and the Lakers have gone up against so far. The bigs have not needed to be guarded um, for the most part. Jokic is so good at scoring in the post, but if you shut him down in the post or if it's just more advantageous to do something else, he's really gotten good at catching on the move, which is something that most bigs don't do. Denver runs him on guard actions a lot off of multiple screens, catch his, it and go. His footwork is insane. Like For a 300-pound guy, it's yes. very, very unique to be running yeah. into the ball for a catch and go. It's, and it's like watching – a 300 pound ballerina at times. He really has that type of dexterity and it's a weird thing to say, but almost soft feet in addition to soft hands. And then of course the other part of this is he doesn't have to be a scorer. One of the things I think is going to be a huge battleground is Anthony Davis in the paint scares everybody away. Nuggets are so good at bringing Jokic up top and running pick and roll with him and dribble handoff game and inverted pick and roll. And typically a good center like like Anthony Davis can drop just enough to still be in the paint, discouraging people, and up enough to still be discouraging the pull-up three. Denver is so good, and Jokic and Murray in particular are so good at punishing teams that try to do that. I think Denver will find a way to force him to commit to stepping all the way outside the paint, all the way up to the three-point line with inverted screens, meaning Jokic is the ball handler, Murray is the screener, and with other actions. So that'll be a real battleground. Can they summon him out of the paint? Because then where's your rim protection? It's LeBron. It's Ruri Hachimura. It's guys that are good, but they're not Anthony Davis at that. See, I, I actually think the further out from the basket they keep Jokic or, you know, I mean, because he's so good operating from the high post running the offense. I actually think at that point, that's when the Lakers just say, fine, we'll take our chance with somebody smaller than Jokic guarding him just to keep that paint protection because either way, Jokic is going to find cutters. He's going to find guys that are open, whatever. We might as well protect our lane because, you know, if if AD goes up towards like the three-point line or, you know, maybe a little bit more inside that, trying to stay with Jokic, he may find the open guys that he wants anyway, but then you have no lane protection. So I, that's what I think is also going to be interesting to see how they look to defend Jokic is just the idea of, you know, is somebody the big question is who though? Because right. you know, there isn't a net like Dwight Howard in in 2020 was not great, 
But what he was was very good at using up his fouls and bashing on on you know on on Jokic for however many minutes it was a game 14, 16, whatever what minutes you know it was. And the Lakers, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> the Lakers not on the roster this year. Um, they're only real backup center Mobamba isn't going to be available probably at least for a couple games. And so that that part of it is because if it's not AD and like Adam is saying like he, he will kill you with smaller players. Like you know that's that's not that it's one of those things where the matchup I think as well as Anthony Davis plays favors Denver because I feel like they've got at least in terms of defensively have more options for trying to sort of protect Jokic than the Lakers have to protect AD. Well, unless though, I mean the the Lakers though really look to attack the paint constantly. And it may be it may not be just Anthony Davis that could theoretically get Jokic into foul trouble. Oh, I'm not even worried about him as much as I am the other. Uh, I mean, Austin right, Reeves sure. and obviously LeBron James to me are more likely to be getting the foul calls. Yeah, I mean, I, the foul, the drive part, I, I think we'll get to that probably here in a little bit as we talk about Lakers advantages. But that ability to drive and put pressure on the rim is Denver's weakness. And, and the Lakers are obviously as good as anybody left in the, in the playoffs at it. But the Anthony Davis part of this, the thing I keep coming back to, and one of the reasons I have confidence in Denver, we'll see how it plays out is I just don't think the Lakers are going to be able to play without Anthony Davis on Jokic. And I think that Jokic is going to be able to summon him out of the paint because you're talking about you'd rather have Jokic out on the perimeter and, and Anthony Davis sagging back. But Jokic's not the one you have to worry about. Jokic is so good at running pick and roll and dribble handoff game that it's actually Jamal Murray that's going to be the guy that's wide open at the top of the key. It's Michael Porter. It's KCP. And that's where Anthony Davis can't just sit back there. Now he has to step up, even if it's just yep. for a second, to make sure those guys aren't taking wide open threes. He's going to have to be out of that. So to me, that's the area where I think Denver is just so good. They have such chemistry, especially Jokic and, and Murray, have such chemistry at that exact thing, the exact footwork and everything, the subtle details to draw the big out. If they doesn't come out, knock down the shot. But if he does step out, now everything opens up. That actually leads to a question I wanted to ask you anyway, Adam, because that, that chemistry between Murray and Jokic is phenomenal. Like at times, not necessarily stylistically, but just from a synergy perspective, it reminds me of the way Kobe and Powell used to play together. What tends to be most successful in breaking up their rhythm or, ca or causing problems in that synergy? Yeah. It's a great question. It's it, This is an easy one. It's not being screened. And I think the type of player that is best at that is a skinny player. I mean, you've saw this with Alex Caruso in years past. Alex Caruso is the hardest player in the NBA to, to, to set a screen on, a ball screen. He just gets close chest to chest without fouling, and then he slithers through it. I think that – I don't know if the Lakers have great guys at this, but this is going to be one of their challenges is when they're trying to run Murray off of two screens, a, ball, a dribble handoff from Jokic – Trying to avoid that screen is going to be key. And if you can't do it, then Denver usually knows what to do. As soon as there's – you got a half-step advantage because that guy had to take the long way around the screen, Denver knows what to do. But if you can fight through that, you can cause problems. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, super skinny, super long, rangy. He did a great job of this against the Timberwolves, and it actually made things a little bit hard. Denver figured it out. But it's that type of defender. 
Yeah, I will say with Bones Highland in uh in in with the Clippers now, there's nobody skinnier than Dennis Schroeder. So you know <laughs> yeah. you got you got something there. I got one place where I, I want to ask you about a potential advantage that the Lakers have. I'm sure you've got some stuff for us. Uh, we'll get to all of it next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Prize Picks, and if you haven't signed up for Prize Picks yet, Lakers fans or Nuggets fans, you're missing out on daily fantasy made easy, along with the million dollar <laughs> daily Superflex promotion every day of the NBA playoffs and the finals. One Prize Picks user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time will be randomly selected each day, and whoever placed that entry will be given a six pick flex with the following payouts six correct picks million bucks five correct picks eighty thousand dollars four correct picks 16 grand full details can be found at pricepicks.com slash million you must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million dollar entry and once you opt in all you have to do is play the game like normal and you can be the lucky winner price picks has the best dfs prop game on the market more nba props than any other dfs prop operator superstar players bench players just pick two to six players, and predict whether they will notch more or less than the price picks. Stats projection, you can win up to 25 times your money. And price picks offers projections on everything from MLB to NHL playoffs, even cricket. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Safe, fast withdrawals. Download the price picks app or go to pricepicks.com. Sign up, play daily fantasy sports. First-time users, you can receive a 100%. Instant deposit match up to 100 bucks using the promo code locked on. Again, do not forget that promo code locked on at the sign up for the instant match. If you're not playing prize picks, don't know what you're missing. Quick reminder 5 30 Pacific, 6 30 in the mountains. Correct. That's how you guys do it. You're, you know, like the daylight savings. You're still an hour ahead of us, right, Adam? Um, yeah, one hour. Okay, great. That's good to know. So 6 30 in the mountains, 5 30 Pacific, Sirius XM on the SXM app, Lakers versus Nuggets, or Nuggets versus Lakers, if you prefer game one of the Western Conference Finals. Um, I was talking about this with uh, our friend Mike Trudell, um, you know, who does great work for Spectrum Sportsnet, big podcaster, all this stuff, you know, and, and Lakers fans certainly know him about potential starting lineups. And one of the things he suggested and others have suggested is the Lakers might stick with Dennis Schroeder in the starting lineup for the Lakers, um, in part because by doing that, it would put both Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. in a situation where they both have to guard someone. Neither one of them can hide. Um, first of all, how important is it for teams to attack Denver by making both of those guys have to defend? And do you think that would be a good idea? Because this is a, if if I'm if the answer is what I hope it is, that's a place where the Lakers might have a little bit of an advantage. No question to me, Jamal is so important to the series for Denver that there's no question that making him work is a great strategy. I don't think that he is the. I think Jokic is one of the best conditioned athletes in the NBA. It's another one. We didn't get to it, but I do think that he is going to wear out Anthony Davis in this series over time. Whether it'll be enough or not, we'll see. But he just – that guy is is in such great shape. I don't think the same is true of Murray. And we saw this in the Phoenix series where they would full-court press him. They would get physical with him. They would push the limit. They would use guys that they didn't care if they fouled out just – Make bump him everything you're doing, bump and just make him exhausted. And in some games, it worked really well, where you definitely saw a drop off in Murray as it went on. So, to me, I absolutely think that they need to have players that can attack him. But I also know LeBron is among the best players in the NBA at getting switches and forcing, hey, who's my defender? I want to guard me. Let me go find him. 
now he's on me. And I wouldn't be surprised if I know everybody thinks Jokic in the pick and roll. He'll be the big in the pick and roll, so he'll be guarding him. But Murray happened to be the one that has to constantly fight over screens. That zaps your legs, and the Nuggets need him in the fourth quarter to have his legs. Because I, I just, I also think I was that they'll they'll hunt Porter if they can. So what's interesting about that is Porter historically has been worse, and it might be worse in the series. At that this year, he's been a very good defender. I mean, when you guys talked about Denver maybe not getting as much shine, the number one story to me about the Nuggets this year has been Michael Porter's growth as a player defensively he's been really good offensively he's bought into a role that is beneath him he is too good of a player to sometimes get seven shots eight shots but guess what this year he's bought into that role and executed at a high level and found other ways to contribute when the ball's not finding him and i love those stories they're great stories they're players sacrificing for the greater good but so to me if i were to attack a player it would probably be jamal over porter Porter's six foot ten. He's got great length. At the very least, it's hard to shoot over him and get around him. Um, but both guys definitely could be people that LeBron, for example, would look at as marks. What do you got for us? Um, I mean, I'm I don't know. I'm kind of curious who you think some of the extra players will be. I see a lot of people think Vando will play, Vanderbilt will play. You know, we had him here in Denver. He was drafted in Denver. I've always liked his game. I think he would be a disaster against Jokic, and I think he would be a killer against all non-Jokic lineups. How do you see him being used in this series, and do you think that the Lakers might go to him early on as, hey, let's see if you can handle Jokic? Well, that's really the question uh, that Brian was asking before about Dennis Schroeder potentially starting because games game six where the Lakers closed out Golden State, they moved uh, Schroeder into the starting lineup basically so – the Warriors would have to guard everybody. I mean, they had been leaving leaving Jared Vanderbilt wide open and just ignoring him. And in the meantime, they, they switched up some of their defensive coverages. So having him on Steph Curry at all times wasn't happening the same way. Having him on Draymond Green uh, to kind of mess up some of what they were looking to do wasn't happening the same way. So that defensive utility decreased over the course of the series. I agree with you, though. I think over this series, and this, this is why ultimately I think they're going to put, if it's not Rui Hachimura, I think they're going to go with Vanderbilt back in the starting lineup because I just think against Denver, you end up too potentially small with mm. Schroeder staying in that in that starting five. But I think you are correct in identifying Vanderbilt as somebody with a lot of defensive utility. Like he is somebody that can guard Murray. He's somebody yeah. that can guard Porter. He's somebody that can guard Aaron Gordon. He is somebody that, you know, you, yes, Jokic will bully him, but we've already established Jokic has the potential to bully even Anthony Davis. So in the, in that sense, it's a moot point. Like whoever you end up putting on Jokic, Jokic has the potential to bully him because he's like, he's a mountain. Like there, there's, there's not it's, much you can do about it in that sense. It's less to me about I think we'll see Vanderbilt. I think we'll see Hachimura. I think he'll try. I do too. Marvin Ham will try a lot of different things. And I think it's less about stopping Jokic and more about finding ways to get Davis off of him at least yeah. some of the time. Um, and you're probably not going to win a lot of those. But as long as Davis is on the floor, then you still have that presence. You still have the the ability to help. You still have a lot of stuff that's available. Um and you know you can you can hack on 
Jokic a little bit more with those other guys and not worry about the fouls because those guys have Vanderbilt fouls out. It's not the end of the world. So, I mean, I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about before. It's like, where can the Lakers find ways to separate Davis from Jokic? And I think it's easier for the Nuggets to do it than it is for the Lakers because the plan B for the Lakers isn't as good. But I think you'll see Vanderbilt. I think every once in a while you'll see LeBron. At least LeBron is real strong. He's got, you know, old man strength. The Jokic can shoot over him. Um, but you know, it, it, I, I, I am, I am having a terrible time trying to figure out which team's going to win this series. <laughs> like in my head, it's like Denver has been the best team all year long. I've, I picked them to get out of the conference at the beginning of the season. They've done nothing to make me think that they shouldn't. And then you just sort of watch the Lakers and, you know, okay, they keep winning and they're really good since the trade deadline. And oh, by the way, nobody has beaten LeBron and AD yet in a playoff series. Right. Like a healthy LeBron and a healthy AD has have not been beaten yet. Um, and that includes by the Nuggets, you know, three years ago. And so I post trade deadline, they've been as good as anybody in the NBA. And yeah. so I I try I, I'm looking around for these for these you know advantages. And I hate I, I don't want to boil it down to the you know the Bruce Browns and and, and Contavious Caldwell Pope and all you know the, some of these other guys because I think that ultimately the stars will just you know decide series. Um, but it may just be you know do the Lakers get game five and game six out of Austin Reeves you know from the right. Golden State series or do they get games one and two or whichever ones he wasn't very good like yeah. I wonder if it comes down to stuff like that. It, I mean, it absolutely might. I, I do think when you were talking about the matchups for Yoke, the thing about Vanderbilt is less can he guard Jokic, which I think absolutely not. Even with Anthony Davis as a roamer, I think Jokic is gonna knows what to do. He's just too little. It's the weight right, thing. Absolutely. You're talking about 70, 80 pounds, and you still have to force a guy to spin into Anthony Davis to block the shot. I think Yoke is gonna be too big. He doesn't even have to do that. But that aside, I think Rui and LeBron are the guys that are most likely to make an impact. If you're talking about, number one, they're, they're thick, strong guys, and you get away with a lot more contact when you're just guarding up. I mean, look at Draymond Green. The guy is the most physical defensive, post-defensive player in the NBA, in part because he's smaller and you just get that natural sort of physicality. But more importantly, it's the other end of the court. If Yoke doesn't have to guard Anthony Davis because he can guard Jared Vanderbilt – that's an enormous boost for him. One, it's rest. He gets to rest. And two, he just doesn't have to leave the paint. Even if you set screen and roll, go ahead. Oh, go no, there. Be more, that's, and that's why I, I wonder how much Vanderbilt's actually going to play. That's why well, I he think was playing about really... 10 minutes a game in the, in right. the uh, Golden State series. And, you know, I think you'll see more Hachimura. I think you'll yeah. see the Lakers try to go small. And by the way, you don't want LeBron to have to do that much, spend that much time on Jokic, like that's as, a fourth as, as an alternate. That's a right. fourth quarter. If there's three minutes left, let's throw it out there and see if it's a right. ball. You you don't do that because you know the idea is to preserve LeBron right. and you know let him guard Porter, let him guard. So, I mean, let him guard someone else that is not going to be as physically demanding. You um, you mentioned uh, Rui Adam as far as just like a, a like a bigger physical guy that could end up at times getting that assignment, bodying Jokic, and obviously he like everybody's giving up size, but. I mean, one of the things that we've really discovered seeing Rui now on a game in game out basis is, you know, he is much better defensively in those type of matchups. Like he actually can be pretty effective. He he 
was very good, I think, defensively in the Memphis series. He, he was much better in the regular season than his reputation. And, like, Golden State was not – he played fine, but it was not really a series that played to his strengths. And defensively, with all those guards and all that off-ball movement and screening, like, it, it was a tough series for him to keep up. I think this one will be better for Rui in terms of his own matchups. And in the meantime, he is somebody that I think actually can create some problems for Denver defensively because he, he really, he can be a very difficult cover, like somebody at his size with that athleticism that can create his own shot. And I don't think, I don't think Denver has a ton of guys that they can throw at him, particularly among their second unit guys. And and Rui, the pattern that at least I've noticed a lot during the playoffs is if he starts hot, he tends to stay hot. Mm-hmm. So that's something for you know both fan bases to watch for in this series. Like if Rui hits his first couple shots in a series, he te- in a game he tends to stay hitting shots. Yeah, I he, I think he'll end up being the guy. I think he'll be one of the core guys just because it makes the most sense. And then again, offensively he has to be guarded. You can't that's tell you the, the, the Lakers just guy. can't put guys on the floor who who can right. be ignored. I, I just don't think that's a viable option. Um, all right. I have, I have one question for you, though. Sure. Actually, this is the last one. And it's kind of an important one to me is LeBron game one is so important. The Lakers have clearly put an emphasis. Do you, how, how much better can LeBron be than what we've seen in the playoffs? Because I think he's been great. Game six, he was great. But he's kind of been below what we've seen of LeBron in, in years past. Do you think he's saving some energy and he has more consistent, great play in him going forward? And two, there's one day off between every single game. Do you worry at all about the Lakers and those two in particular, Anthony Davis and LeBron, wearing down if this is a back-and-forth series? Absolutely, 100%. I think at some point, the my, like I, said, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, my huge concern for the Lakers is that the, the amount of energy that they've had to expend to get to this point will eventually catch up to them. Um, you know, Austin Reeves kind of hit the wall at the beginning of the Golden State series, kind of ran through it, but, you know, right. it was moving pretty well by the end of it. But, you know, Denver is not exactly a place you go to recoup. So, right. I, I yes, I think that is a real problem for the Lakers and a real structural advantage for, um, for Denver. And in terms of LeBron, I think you, in a seven-game series, I think LeBron will pick which ones, which two or three, he can give you what he did in game six. You know, what people look at as old school, quote unquote, playoff LeBron. The other ones, I think he's going to feel his way through it. I think they're going to be two or three games where LeBron's like, we're not going to win this one and let it go. Um, But I don't, Andy, I don't know. I don't think he can do that for an entire series anymore, but he can dial it up when when he thinks it's necessary. And nobody is better at reading when that game should come than LeBron. I do think, though, that LeBron is still capable. If, say, this was a tight, however many games series, I think LeBron could pick his spots in every single one of those games. And I, I, I think it would be a feeling out thing. I think if, if nothing else, it would be a fascinating game within the game to watch. Right. I don't think he could do it for the entire time he is out there. But I do think he could figure out a way to like make it work when it matters most, or at least try to. Like I, I'll tell you right now, for for Nuggets fans, if you're looking for signs of LeBron feeling fatigue, it's boy that three pointer wasn't necessary. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that was yeah. that 
that felt like settling. Yeah. Like yeah, generally speaking, they're they're not the the catch and shoot ones are the ones you feel good about. The the self-created um after a lot of dribbling and seemingly not much interest in taking someone off the dribble, that to me is usually the signs of LeBron's feeling fatigue and has just decided that this is what's going to happen with this possession. Yeah. But he, you know, he's still, if nothing else, he's still capable of controlling a lot, even if he's not able to just turn it on LeBron right. style. He can still it control is, a lot of the action. It is going to be, I think, you know, just a fascinating series, um, and one where um, both teams can absolutely validate a lot of of things uh, about, you know, probably even more so on the Denver side. Um, but these are the two one, best teams left yeah. in the West. You would agree, Absolutely. Adam? I think so. I think, yeah, I think the way it's played out. I mean, I'm impressed with the way the Lakers came together as a team. I, I did not expect it, but they, they really got contributions from guys. And like I said, the LeBron trust in teammates has been interesting. I'm curious if that trust gets broken. You know, they have had the road split in both series. I'm curious if they go down 0-2. Do you trust Lonnie Walker the same way? We'll find out, but. I'm impressed by what they've done so far. I mean, I think it was, you know, especially compared to what they what the alternative was. Um, I think he the, will. The option for a guy who understands is like what you need the 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 parts, the interchangeable parts that you need right. to be able to function throughout a, a season and then into the playoffs. They didn't have it, and now they do. And yeah. he's like, just give me the parts, and I mean, now now it turns out the parts are both functional and good. Um, so, um, all right. Uh, locked on Lakers, locked on Nuggets, both available on YouTube. Um, game one is tonight. I see. I heard you guys go live after after shows. It's like like fancy. right from the DNVR bar, man. Every single time. Um, we will see everybody, like all of us. We'll see all of you um, in uh, after game one. Make sure to check out Locked on Lakers. Make sure to check out Locked on Nuggets and really get an idea of what's going on with each team throughout what should be a fantastic series. Adam, thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Thanks for hosting, guys. This was great. All right, we'll see everybody next time.